Hi, it's Father Rick, and I want to welcome you to St. Michael's Episcopal Church. I'm really glad you found us. Please know that we accept you wherever you are on your spiritual journey, and we trust that God will take you where you need to be, right in God's timing. We're just glad that you're here with us, and we hope you enjoy today's sermon. God bless. Lord Jesus, we ask that you touch our ears, that you touch our tongue, that you open our hearts, Lord, by your touch, that we may hear you anew. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you. Yeah. Welcome to St. Michael's, and welcome to those on YouTube on this day of uh, Labor Day weekend. You know, they say that if you come and attend worship, if you actually worship God on a holiday weekend, when you get to heaven someday, whenever that is, like, you get extra sushi or an extra, like, scoop of ice cream or something. There's, there's, in other words, there's brownie points. So, welcome. I'm glad you're here. You know, prior to becoming a priest in the Episcopal Church, um, for four years of my life, I led small groups at my little community church up in Sebastopol, up in the wine country of California. And I named my groups Esh groups, experience, strength, hope. And the goal of these groups, essentially, at church was kind of small groups, and uh, we read the Bible, and we, we shared the scriptures and all that, but the, the goal for me was to create a safe, non-shaming environment for people to actually become real about their lives, real and transparent, and share their life experience of how God's story interconnected with the story of their own lives. Now, I modeled my Esh groups off my experience of attending hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of Alcoholic Anonymous and other 12-step recovery group meetings that I had attended through a friend of a friend and uh, for several years. And so, uh, by the grace of God, I'll confess that I didn't suffer and I don't suffer from substance abuse or addiction to drugs or alcohol. However, the truth is, I am an addict, so um, good morning, I'm Rick, and I'm addicted, I'm addicted to myself, I'm addicted to my inner program for happiness, I'm addicted, that's true, I'm addicted to my plans that will make me feel secure and esteemed, I'm Rick, and I am an addict, I am addicted to control. See, from this perspective, the truth is, you could say that we're all addicts. So, good morning, church. And don't you, aren't you glad that I'm calling us all addicts? Don't you feel good? Good. Because we're all powerless in some way, shape, or form to fix what Rick Warren calls our hurts, habits, and hangovers. And so the reality is, is we're all looking for comfort and peace in our lives, especially in America, right? We want to escape the pain of life. We want to uh, escape the fears of life. We want to escape those things that take life from us. We want to 
escape life's hurts, um, habits, and hangovers, right? And you know, we try to escape those things in numerous different ways. Yes, some people overextend themselves with substances, but some of us overextend ourselves with control. Some of us overextend ourselves with pride. Some of us overextend ourselves with relationship, food, work, anger, you name it, right? In an effort to escape life's hurts, habits, and hangovers. And for a long time, you know, I tried to escape mine because as long as I could get to the top of the mountain, right, if I could be number one, Right? If I could produce, then man, life is good for me. But what I encountered in those meetings um, uh, starting over 30 years ago was this uh, something that was life-giving. It was um, this authentic transparency, right? Nobody lectures, nobody judges, nobody gives advice. It's just people being honest about their lives. No one was hiding. No one was pretending that they had it all together, right? You know, they were just simply sharing their common pain, the pain of their addiction, the pain of their lives, um, their pain or someone's pain, someone they loved, their pain, right? And, and they shared where God um, was showing up, where God was meeting them in this situation of their habits, their hurts, and their hang-ups, and they were experiencing and sharing something that only God could give them, this life. Something that they were powerless in and of themselves to do for themselves. And so they were just telling their own stories, where they went wrong, if you will, and how God's grace and mercy, they were trying to get better day by day. And I got to say, it was absolutely refreshing for me to sit in a room all buttoned up, a little nervous that I was there because I was afraid someone was going to see me and they're going to think, he's got a problem. You know, that's a joke, y'all, but that's what I thought, right? Because I was afraid of that transparency, that vulnerability, and that authenticity. But what I learned in those meetings from those humble people was that transformation has little to do with intelligence, willpower, or perfection. I'll say it again. Transformation has little to do with willpower, um, perfection, or intelligence. But transformation has everything to do with honesty, with humility, with a willingness to name the reality of my life. Transformation has everything to surrender that is, surrendering to a power greater than me, than I name God. No excuses, no blame, no denial. Which, as you all know, are really nothing, nothing more than just a rationalized pack of lives to try to keep me comfortable or, or at peace in my life, right? These people were not attending because they wanted to get a little better, you know button it up, like doing the gym, maybe cutting back on calories a little bit this week or whatever, you know what I mean? No, these people weren't getting, they didn't come to get a little better. They were not there because the best people were doing it. They're not looking for religion. They came because they were actually desperate. 
desperate, pushed by their need, and pulled by the inspiration of others' experience, strength, and hope of God's power and presence in their lives, and this life-changing, redeeming fellowship. And what they experienced is that healing occurs and miracles happen. And I thought, that's profound. No one's quoting their Bibles at each other. No one's telling, talking about their politics. No one's doing any of who's the Christians and who's not. They weren't doing any of that. They were sharing their experience, strength, and hope. And I thought, you know what? Man, the church could and probably should be like that. You know, because after all, in the first century, there were no good Christians, as we like to say. He's a good Christian. There was no good Christians in the first century. Only sinners in need of redemption. Only people with habits, hurts, and hang-ups who had encountered the one with the answer, who is the answer, Jesus. And they did not hesitate, after their experience of him, of making that known. And if you look at our apostles' window, we celebrate these people here at St. Michael's because these are the ones, right? James that we read from, Paul, Philip, Bartholomew, Peter, Thomas. You know, what were they doing? They were sharing their experience of the one, Jesus Christ. They were experiencing their strength that they had found in him and that good news and their hope of this life that he offers. And that's all they were really doing. And today's colic says this, grant us, O Lord, to trust you with all our hearts. For as you always resist the proud who confide in their own strength, so you never forsake those who make the boast of your mercy through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, I've shared this 10,000 times in here, but you all know that one of my hobbies, my little outlet in life, is Brazilian jiu-jitsu, right? And one of the things, because I'm one of the oldest guys in the class, and for some crazy reason I keep going back, but there's something about walking through those doors that you have to let go that your ego has to leave. And when you get on those mats, my instructor, Professor Lawrence, always calls it tea time with death. And I love that. <laughs> and I told him I'm going to use that someday in a sermon because it's where this false constructed self, this pride, this ego comes to die. It's tea time with death. And it's in that place, though, that um, life really happens. And so I think that's kind of what our collect and these, all these lessons are about. You resist the proud who confide in their own strength. So you never forsake those who boast in your mercy. And the truth is, we all need God's mercy. The fragility of this era, Pope Francis said, is that we don't believe that there is a chance for redemption, for a hand to raise you up, for an embrace to save you, forgive you, pick you up, flood you with infinite, patient, indulgent love to put you back on your feet. He says, we need mercy. And this is exactly what we see 
in all our readings today, and particularly our Gospels. Two desperate people who were powerless over their condition, but were willing to be ruthlessly honest about their need for God's mercy. Now, there's this Gentile woman. You probably remember her. You've heard the story, I'm sure. Jesus is now traveling outside his comfort zone. He's where the pagans are, the Gentiles, the unclean, the unworthy ones. And Jesus is in that community. And this Gentile woman from with, with was a wealthy area, a godless area in the Israelites' eyes, who desperately was seeking healing for her little daughter who was possessed by an unclean spirit. Now you know when your children or someone you love is possessed by an unclean spirit, there's something that's making them unwell, like all addictions do us. You'll seek out and do anything that you can, won't you? And that's what she was doing. But here's the truth. She was powerless, absolutely powerless, unable to fix her daughter. The best doctors in town couldn't do it. So she comes empty-handed before Jesus. She wasn't an Israelite. She wasn't an Episcopalian, for goodness sake. Right? She, that's a joke. All right, good. So she comes empty-handed. She makes no claim on her life. She has no merit, no priority standing, nothing to commend her. And Jesus kind of gets in this little debate, if you will, with her, or a little um, wrestling match of words, right, with words. And, and his words seem a little harsh and stinging, right? He hints that she's a dog. But I love this, this woman, man, she continues this dialogue with Jesus, right? And she refuses to relent because she wants, she's desperate. She's desperate. Oh, man, you ever been desperate for God? If you find yourself desperate for God and you need God to show up, man, that's a good place to be. Because we're having tea time with death. And all our control, all of the things that we think we have power over, start to go by the wayside. But you know, as I look at this woman, you know, Jesus kind of hints that she's, that she's a, a dog. And I wonder, how would you respond to that? I mean, I mean how would I respond if somebody kind of dissed me and likened me to be a dog? I think I would walk away probably, thumb my nose. I mean, seriously, we walk away when we do not feel so desperate. When we're not desperate for ourselves or for our children or whatever, we can walk away and we can convince ourselves that we can handle the problem on our own or find another means and another way of handling. But here's the truth. Only when we are truly desperate and are willing to go to any length it takes, including humbling ourselves, will we find God's help. See, healing is discovered by the release of our current defensive postures, letting go of our fear, our attachment to self-image, um, uh, dying to ourself, if you will, having tea time with death of that false constructed self. I mean, transformation is found in one of God's favorite and most effective hiding places. Humility 
humility. Bernard of Clairvaux said, it's only when humility wants it that great graces can be obtained. And so when you perceive that you're being humiliated, look on it as the sign of a sure guarantee that grace is on the way. It is to possession, it is the possession of a joyful and genuine humility that alone enables us to receive grace. Are y'all tracking with me? Y'all still here? Right? Okay, good. Because the second encounter that Jesus had was with a deaf man. Now listen to this. They brought to Jesus a deaf man who had an impediment in his speech, and they begged him to lay his hands on him. Sky, stranger, didn't know Jesus, but the crowd was around this man. And it was through the love and care and compassion of this community that this man encountered Jesus. Jesus, the only one who could offer him a chance of restoration and new life. But here's the truth. Before he could be brought to Jesus, and I want you to think about your life or someone you love. Before he could be brought to Jesus... He had to be open. He had to be open. Own and embrace his own condition of his life and be willing to allow the community to bring him to Jesus. Now imagine if he tried to deny his condition or hide his suffering from others. I got this. I'm good. I'm good. Right? I got this. Imagine, though, if the community was around him and didn't recognize his suffering. Or even worse, imagine if his friends and family didn't care about his condition, leaving him doomed to suffer in isolation. His life would have been robbed of this encounter with Jesus, right? His hands would have never been held by the hands that give life. His ears would have never been unplugged by the fingertips of God. His tongue untouched by the intimacy of Jesus' spit. See, this is what happens in community. Like my Ash groups, like those 12-step meetings and all of that, I find beauty, beauty in these stories. The beauty is not how well we manage the affairs of our lives. The beauty isn't our polished personas or the pretense of a perfect life. The beauty, the beauty is in the ruthless honesty and humility, the acknowledging their need, their desperate need for God to intervene in their lives and to deliver them from the unclean spirits and the inability to speak and hear. And the beauty, ultimate beauty, is what happens as a result. The healing and the mercy of God. You know... I wonder how many people we encounter in our community kind of suffer silently, maybe, because they feel unable or they're unwilling to acknowledge the reality of their lives, their pain, those unclean spirits or whatever, their brokenness or suffering. I wonder how many people um, can't hear 
the voice of God's redemptive love and embrace because of some community. You know, we live in a shame culture, a culture of shame that threatens to bury us in unworthiness and being unacceptable because we have some hurts, some habits, or some hangovers, right? Voices that tempt to drown out Christ-redeeming love. Unworthy, unclean, outcast, not one of us, right? You know, I have so many people talk to me about church, and I say, come to St. Michael's, because this is one of the most welcoming, loving communities that I've experienced. So many people have found their way and found a spiritual home here because so many people here at St. Michael's accept you wherever you are on your journey, really, right? How many people, though, that feel like church is a place where they could not be comfortable in sharing the reality of their lives. They couldn't be comfortable in their desperate need of redemption. And I don't think it has to be that way. I think there is indeed a way forward. I think what we have to offer the world is not only meals and, and, and things like that, and we do that, that's an important part of what we do. But the thing that we have to offer the world more than absolutely anything else is our own shared experience of being encountered by the living God through Jesus Christ. The strength that we have found in that gospel and the hope that we have in our common life in Christ. That you know that you know that you've experienced the mercy, grace, forgiveness, and power of God's radical, reckless, one-way love. And it's changed you. It's changed the way that you see and think. See, we can share. We don't have to share our Bible knowledge. We don't have to share our liturgy per se or our theology. We share what sustains us and gives us hope and strength for today. We bring people to Jesus through our experience, strength, and hope. And it's in Jesus that they discover, like that woman's child, and like that man, healing and the true miracle. It says that Jesus spit, and I like how he touches his tongue, right? But the community rejoices. The community gathers around him and worships. See, the truth is everyone's going through something. Everyone has something going on. And true miracles are not found so much outside of us, but like the desperate woman who was honest and willing to bring her true need to Jesus, or the deaf man that through the community who embraced him, loved him, and helped carry his pain and led him to Jesus. So, wherever you are on your journey, no matter where you find yourself in these stories, as we say every Sunday, the truth is that God loves us with a love that we don't earn and therefore we can never lose. And it's there 
at that place, in that love, that we are delivered from the unclean spirits and our ears are opened to the voice of God. It's when we can begin to love what God sees in ourselves. So the reason I say that is not to give us this, this little excuse um, that we can dance and pretend everything's okay. The reason I say every single week that you're loved with the love that you didn't earn and therefore you can never lose is because hopefully it will encourage us or those people that are along beside us that will encourage them that they can bring their lives before God as they are, not fearing rejection, but experiencing hope, mercy, grace, and healing. So, tell your story. Be honest to God and others. And know, absolutely know, St. Michael's, that God is experienced in the people around us and us surrounding us and the people holding us in love. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you liked today's message, please subscribe to our podcast and be sure to tell your friends. You may also check us out on YouTube at youtube.com backslash St. Michael's Orlando. Until next time, remember, God loves you with a love you did not earn, and therefore, you can never lose.